There are many questions down through the years that have puzzled the minds of great thinkers. Who are we? What is our purpose? Why are we here? Where did we come from? And perhaps the most perplexing question of all, why are there so few gingers in the world? We only make up 2% of the world's population, a very small minority. But don't worry, Google, the scholars in Google, they've, they've assured me that even though we're a few in number, we won't be going extinct anytime soon. Something to do with the gene, I don't know. But all joking aside, perhaps one of the greatest questions that anyone could ever have asked is found here in John chapter 18. In this chapter, we've seen that Jesus was brought before Caiaphas, the high priest, to be questioned by him. And then Caiaphas sent Jesus across to Pilate to face his Roman judgment. And hopefully, as he was hoping, to be sentenced by Pilate. After Pilate prods Jesus with multiple questions, he, in a sense, he finishes off his encounter with Jesus with a very flippant response. Jesus says in verse 37, Thou sayest I am a king, to this end was I born, and for this cause came I into the world, that I should bear witness unto the truth. Every one that is of the truth heareth my voice. And then Pilate responds with that all-important question, what is truth? What is truth? Clearly, we see that Pilate didn't realize the significance of his question. It is a most important question for every one of us tonight to ask. What is truth? But not only for us to ask the question, but for us to know without a shadow of a doubt what the answer to that question is. What is truth? And so that is the question that I want you to consider tonight. Ponder it in your own mind. Ponder it in your own heart as we think about it for a while. What is truth? It is one of life's most crucial and most critical questions to get right. And there are so many different groups today in society that will try to give you every different version of the truth. Or perhaps they'll try to deny that the truth can be known at all. But as St. Augustine once said, all truth is God's truth. And with that in mind, I want us to, tonight to consider some gospel truths. First of all, I want you to consider the foundation of truth. The foundation of truth. Because it's found in the previous chapter, John chapter 17 and the verse 17. Here Jesus Christ in his great high priestly prayer. He says to the Father, sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. Thy word is truth. Whatever God speaks is true because he is the source of all truth. You know, the, the Bible isn't true because I, as a licentiate minister, am telling you tonight that it's true. The Bible isn't true because the Free Presbyterian Church affirms it to be true. The Bible isn't true because it's the best-selling book in this world. No, the Bible is true because it is God's word. As 2 Timothy 3.15 puts it, it is breathed or it is inspired by the divine God himself. The Bible is true simply because God is true. David said in 2 Samuel 7 verse 28, O Lord God, thou art that God and thy words be true. And therefore since all truth flows from God and his words are revealed to us here in scripture... 
then we can find the scriptures as the only 100% reliable source of truth in this world. And this is so fundamental. I really want you to grasp this tonight. I really want you to understand what we're starting off with tonight. Because if you miss this truth, if you miss the fact that the Bible is true, that God's word is the only truth that is revealed in this world, then you'll miss the rest of what we have to say this evening. The Bible is the key to knowing truth. And so we want to ask the question, well, what does the word truth here mean? Well, it's the Greek word aletheia. It's a word that could be translated literally as that which cannot be hidden. That which cannot be hidden. It conveys the idea that the truth is always there. Truth is open. Truth is readily available to see. Nothing being hidden. Nothing being obscured from sight. And this aligns with many of the philosophical answers that you'll find. If you search into Google, what is truth? Surprisingly, you'll find actually quite a few good gospel articles at the start of that search. But if you want to to get a definition on Google of what is truth, one of the main philosophical uh, definitions that comes up in the internet is that truth is that which corresponds with reality. Truth is that which corresponds with reality. In simple terms, it's what is. What we see. What is If you look here in this church tonight, you'll see a number of truths. You'll see that there's an organ. You'll see that there's a piano. Those are things that aren't hidden from you. You'll see that there are wreaths up here at the front. You'll see if you go out to the foyer, there's a a table with literature on it. That's truth. These things are not hidden from our eyes. It's what is true in reality. It isn't hidden. You can plainly see it. And the same can be said of the truth that we find in the Bible. It is plain in the Bible. Truth is plain and clearly visible in Scripture. We ask the question, what if the Bible isn't true? Well, if the Bible is not true, then, and if the Word of God can't be believed and can't be trusted, then our foundations are destroyed. We have no faith. We have no hope. We have no rules. Psalm 11, verse 3 says, If the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? If the Bible is not absolute truth, then there is no absolute truth. There's nothing true that can be known. Any other theory that we as human beings will come up with will be so far short of what real truth actually is. There are so many different sects today, so many different groups in society today that try and teach their view of the truth. Relativism says that all truth is relative and there's no absolute truth. Truth is relative to you. And what's true for you could be not true for me. But then one has to ask the question, is the claim that all truth is relative, is that a relative truth or is it an absolute truth? It doesn't work. Skepticism. Doubts, that all cla- or doubts all claims of truth. Let me ask you a question. Are skeptics ever skeptic of skepticism? It's a bit of a tongue twister. You try to say that one quickly. Are skeptics ever skeptic of skepticism, of their belief system? The agnostic says that truth cannot be known, but yet the agnostic holds to that one truth, that truth cannot actually be known. So that is a truth for them. 
and pluralism, one which is so popular, one which is so pervasive in our culture today, it states that all truth claims are equally valid. They're equally true. But this goes, sadly, against the fundamental principle of logic, a law that is called the law of non-contradiction. It states that something cannot be true and not true at the same time. Something cannot be true and not true at the same time. It's just impossible. As we mentioned this morning, Lauren and I are expecting in the new year. We're very much looking forward to that. But let's say for for argument's sake, when the child comes, that they weigh eight pounds. I couldn't tell you that the baby weighs eight pounds, but at the same time, it does not weigh eight pounds. That's what pluralism would try and tell you, but it just isn't true. It doesn't add up to reality. The spirit behind pluralism is an attitude of tolerance. However, it goes against the very basic and fundamental laws of logic. As a philosopher once put it, pluralism is desirable and tolerable only in areas of taste rather than truth. Taste rather than truth. You know, for breakfast in the morning... I like to go to the shop. I like to grab some mini jambons from the shop down the road. You might not like jambons. That's taste. That's not truth. It's not saying that they're the best thing in the world. It's a matter of taste, not of truth. And so it leaves us with one conclusion. There is one absolute truth. And the absolute truth is that God is true. And everything that he says is true. And therefore God being the truth... What he has recorded for us in the word of God is what we can be totally sure of. We can know it to be fact. We can know it to be true. The word of God is revealed to us so that we might know what truth is. And that is the foundation of truth. The Bible is the foundation of truth. And please understand that tonight. Because everything that we are building from that will have a big impact on your life. What the Bible says is true. It is the foundation of truth. Notice with me secondly. That there is our fall from truth. 1 John chapter 1 verse 8. Tells us of our fall from truth. It says if we say that we have no sin. We deceive ourselves. And the truth is not in us. This is how so many people are deceived nowadays. People don't want to be told that they're wrong. Generally, people don't like being told what they're doing is wrong or that they are wrong. It's okay to say that 2 plus 2 equals 4. That's fine. That is true. But when the claim is made that all other answers other than 4 are wrong, that is when accusations of narrow-mindedness come in. Some will claim that it is arrogant to say that something is false. But I wonder, is it arrogant for a teacher to insist that there is only one correct answer to an arithmetic problem? Is it arrogant for a locksmith to say that there is only one key that will open a door? It's the truth. It's not arrogance. And I wonder, are you tonight someone who thinks that it is narrow-minded to believe that we cannot know truth apart from God? Do you believe that it is arrogant for for this preacher from the pulpit to say that if you have never sinned in your life, if you say that you have never sinned in your life, then you're a liar. And you're not speaking the truth. 
Because my friend, God himself says that if we say we have no sin, we're deceiving ourselves and the truth is not in us. Because the truth is, you and I, everyone in this world has been absolutely, totally corrupted and killed by sin. Ephesians 2 verse 1 says that we're dead in trespasses and sins. Dead things can't speak. Dead things can't live. Sin has killed you and me spiritually. How did sin enter in? Well, it came into this world the very moment that we were born. Psalm 51, David says, I was shapen in iniquity and in sin did my mother conceive me. From the very womb, sin crept into our lives. And sin has killed us. Every one of us has this problem. And so the truth is, every one of us has fallen from the truth. You may ask, well, well, why? Why did that happen? Why did sin come into this world and affect us all? Well, it's because we disobeyed God. We disobeyed God. It's as simple as that. Our first parents, Adam and Eve, they disobeyed God's command not to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And then, as by one man, sin entered into the world. And so sin passed upon all men. Death passed upon all men, so that all have sinned. R.C. Sproul, he said of this act of Adam and Eve that it was, it was cosmic treason against God. He describes sin itself as cosmic treason against God. God has formed this world. We read of that in Genesis chapter 1. He made everything after every day. He said it was good. On the last day when he made man the pinnacle of his creation, he said it was very good. He gave man everything he needed, provided for man. And what did Adam and Eve do? They disobeyed God. They committed cosmic treason. And they instead did that which seemed right in their own eyes. And people are still doing this today. I wonder, do you realize that that is what your sin is? It is cosmic treason against a holy God. And I'm sure that you all know what the punishment for treason is. Treason carries the punishment of death. That's why the Sanhedrin wanted to, to send Jesus over to Pilate. Did you notice the question that fascinated Pilate? He, he repeats it three times. Notice with me, it's back there in verse 33. He asks Jesus the question, Art thou the king of the Jews? Art thou the king of the Jews? And then in verse 37, he asks again, Art thou a king then? He's trying to tease this answer out of Jesus. Is he claiming to be a king? And then in verse 39, he asks the question to the crowd. Will ye therefore that I release unto you the king of the Jews? This was the, the question that fascinated Pilate. Is Jesus a king? Is he claiming to be a king? Because if Jesus was claiming to be a king, then he'd be guilty of treason. Treason against the Roman government. We know that treason is the act of betraying one's country, especially in, a in attempting to overthrow the sovereign of that land. And so the Sanhedrin were hoping that the Roman government would find Jesus guilty of treason. Why? So that he would be sentenced to death. 
I want you to understand this tonight. That if treason against earthly monarchs and sovereigns carries this weighty punishment of death, then how much greater is the act of treason that we commit against the one who created us? We owe allegiance to those who are in power unless they are acting contrary to the word of God. But the supremely sovereign God of heaven who formed us and fashioned us when we disobey his commands for our lives, that is cosmic treason which carries the most serious of punishments. When we sin, we are attempting to overthrow God's authority and assert that we are the truth and not God. Do you realize that tonight, my friend, as you're gathered in the service, that disobeying God, committing sin every single day, it's committing treason against God, cosmic treason. And this is why I want you to understand, as as some of the Puritans called it, the sinfulness of sin, how vile and how wretched our sin is before God. He made us. He gave us everything we need. And yet we willfully disobey him. Do you realize how much that we have fallen from the truth? And how much we need someone to bring us back into relationship with the fountainhead of all truth. Notice with me thirdly, the foe of truth. He's mentioned in John 8 verse 44. John 8 verse 44 says of the devil, he was a murderer from the beginning and abode not in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own for he is a liar and the father of it. This verse clearly shows to us that the devil is the enemy of truth. From the very beginning in the Garden of Eden, it has always been his way to be the father of lies. He came to Eve in Genesis chapter 3. He sought to twist God's word. Hath God said? Did he really say that? You'll not surely die. He was lying through his teeth. And that has been the devil's plan since day one. God had said that in the day they ate the fruit, they would die. God had promised that death would pass upon them if they disobeyed his command. But the devil's tactic from the beginning is to try to get men and women to believe his lies. And he still does the same today. It was Adolf Hitler who said, and Adolf Hitler was a man who learned to use the lie to great effect. And he once said, if you tell a big enough lie and tell it frequently enough, it will be believed. If you tell a big enough lie frequently enough, it will be believed. And that has been Satan's tactic throughout history. And that is why we must know the word of God. We must know what truth is. Truth is contained within the word of God. There are many lies that the devil will try to get you to believe. Thomas Brooks, he was a Puritan in the 1600s and he wrote a book entitled Precious Remedies Against Satan's Devices. And in it, he he outlined some of the devices that the devil tries to use to undermine the truth of God. These uh, devices are in essence the lies that he would seek to tell us. Let me give you just a couple of them. He presents the golden cup, but he hides the poison. 
He shows sin to be sweet. He shows sin to be pleasurable, but he hides that horrible hook, the shame, the wrath, the loss, the death that follows because of sin. He paints sin with virtue's colors. He says that sin is a good thing. Pride is just neatness and cleanliness. Covetousness is just good husbandry. Drunkenness is just good fellowship and a good time. He lessens sin. If you only partake in a little bit of pride and a little bit of worldliness and a little bit of drunkenness, you can commit a little bit of sin, but your soul will still live. The devil presents great men in their sin, shows David in his adultery, Job in his impatience, Noah in his drunkenness, and Peter in his blasphemy. And says, well, look, great men did it. Why don't you? And he presents God as one that has made up all of mercy. You don't need to fear sin. You don't need to have a fear about sin because God will forgive. He is merciful no matter what you do. Have your fill of sin. God will forgive. These are the lies that the devil spews. To think, to get us to think less of sin. And the sin that we commit against God. And these are the lies that he tells in opposition to the truth. The truth is, sin is poisonous. It leads to death. Sin is not virtuous. It is evil and immoral. Sin is not a little thing. It's as we thought of a moment ago. It's cosmic treason. Great men of the Bible, yes, they did sin. But they recognized their sin as an offense against God and they repented of it. And God is a God of mercy. Please do not be in any doubt as to that fact. The reservoirs of God's mercy are great. But though his mercy is lasting, it is not everlasting. Genesis 6 verse, 1, or Genesis 6 verse 3 reminds us, God says, my spirit shall not always strive with man. And so please realize tonight that the devil opposes truth. He is the chief opponent, the foe of truth. And he will get you to believe any lie if he can take your mind away from the truth. And lastly, I want us to consider tonight the fulfillment of truth. John 14 verse 6. Listen to these words. John 14 verse 6. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Jesus Christ is the fulfillment of truth. He is the embodiment of truth. John 1 verse 14 says there that the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory. The glory as of the only begotten of the Father. Full of grace and truth. And then in verse 17 the law was given by Moses. But grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the one full of truth. And the sad reality is that today the world hates truth. Back in Jesus' time it was no different. The world today hates truth. And because of that, they hate Jesus Christ. Let me ask you a question tonight. Do you hate the Lord Jesus Christ? Do you hate the truth? Back in the time of Christ, they hear it, the truth as well. 
So much so that they forced the truth and condemned the truth to the cross. They forced the truth to take the cruel lashings of Roman soldiers. They made the truth carry his cross up to the hill of Calvary. And there upon the hill of Calvary, they nailed the truth to the cross. And there on the cross, the truth suffered and bled and shed his only precious blood to save you from sin. There on the cross, the truth cried out, it is finished, as Johnny sang earlier, Jesus paid it all. The truth paid it all for you. And on the third day, the truth rose again, triumphant over the the grave, over death. And today, the truth sits at God's right hand. One day, the truth will come back again, as he said he would. Although this time, the truth is not coming as as a babe in Bethlehem. He is coming as the judge of the earth. The one who will judge in perfect and complete truth. And so my, my question to you tonight. Please answer this within your own heart. Do you know the truth? Do you know Jesus? Pilate asked that all important question. What is truth? And he never even realized that the truth was standing there in his hall. The truth was but a few inches away from him. Tonight, my friend, do you realize that the truth is being offered to you once again? Jesus Christ is being offered to you once again. He is the only real truth. And what will you do with him? John chapter 8 verse 32 tells us there, You shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. Do you want freedom tonight? Do you want to know liberty? Know the truth. Know Jesus Christ. Because the truth, Jesus Christ, frees us from sin. Frees us from the bondage of sin. Frees us from the damnation of sin. What tonight will you do with the truth? You know, we read in Proverbs 23, verse 23. It says, buy the truth and sell it not. Also wisdom and instruction and understanding. And it says in verse 24, The father of the righteous shall greatly rejoice, and he that begetteth a wise child shall have joy of him. We thought this morning about how the Lord rejoices when sinners come to him. Tonight will you come to know the truth? What will your answer to Jesus be? Will you know the truth? Because the Bible promises us the truth will set us free. Let's bow in a word of prayer. Just as we're closing in prayer, let me just ask one more time, what will your answer be to Jesus? Perhaps time after time, He has spoken to you as we heard sung earlier. Tonight will you let the truth in?
Will you let Jesus Christ into your heart? Will you accept him as your Savior? If you want to speak to us, we'll be around after the service. Let's bow together in prayer. Our Father and our God in heaven, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the truth that is revealed in Scripture. Lord, even though we have fallen from the truth, we thank you, Lord, that you gave us the truth in Jesus Christ. You gave us the truth on a cross. You gave us the truth to be our Savior. Lord, thank you for Jesus Christ. Thank you for his perfect life. Thank you for the death that he died on our behalf. And Lord, I pray that tonight, as the gospel messages went forth once again, I pray that it would not return to you void. Lord, challenge men and women's hearts tonight. May they not have rest until they have answered that question in their heart, what is truth and what is truth to me? Lord, I pray by thy grace, they would come to the conclusion, Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. Lord, draw men and women to thyself tonight. And I pray that everyone gathered tonight would face up to these questions and would come to know the truth, would come to know Jesus. Lord, take us to our homes in safety. Watch over us this incoming week and may we know the blessing of God in our lives. For we ask all of these things in Jesus' precious name and for his sake.